Chapter 7, The Lord's Pattern of Healing Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. James 5, verses 14 through 15. The Miracle at Hans Mill In the fall of 1838, tensions between Missouri residents and the influx of saints ran high. <clears throat> On October 27th, Missouri Governor Lilborn Boggs issued his famous extermination order of the Mormons, stating, The Mormons must be treated as enemies and must be exterminated or driven from the state, if necessary for the public good. <laughs> good. <laughs> Their outrages are beyond all description. End quote. The very next day, a mob of over 200 armed men rode into the settlement known as Hans Mill and massacred the saints living there. This band of ruffians, with painted faces, paid no attention to the pleas of peace or mercy from the residents. Many men and boys crowded inside the blacksmith shop to take up a defense against the persecutors. However, the mob overpowered these saints and fired upon the building from all sides until there was no return fire. They then went into the shop and shot each person they thought might not be dead. In all, nearly 20 people were murdered in the Hans Mill incident. <clears throat> Despite this awful scene of bloodshed, the Lord showed forth his wisdom and power in a miracle of healing. Willard Smith, whose father and younger brother Sardis lay among the dead, recorded finding another of his brothers Alma, unconscious but alive, among a pile of bodies. When Willard found their mother, Amanda, she placed Alma on a makeshift bed and assessed the damage. As she cut his trousers, she found that the entire ball and socket of his left hip had been shot away, leaving the bones about three or four inches apart. When Alma regained consciousness, Amanda informed him of the situation and asked him if he had faith that the Lord could make him a new hip. Alma replied that if she believed the Lord could do it, then he would believe it too. Mother Amanda then gathered what remained of her family around her, wounded Alma, and prayed for guidance, dedicating him to the Lord that he would be restored and made well and strong. <clears throat> Feeling helpless and afraid of the continued threat of the mob violence, Amanda prayed earnestly to know what to do. As her son Willard recorded, her prayers were answered and she knew exactly what to do by way of inspiration. Taking some ash from the fireplace, she first made a mild lie solution which she bathed Alma's gaping wound until it was as white as the breast of a chicken, with all the mangled flesh and bone gone. She was then directed to take roots of the slippery elm tree to make a poultice to apply to the wound. Alma lay still in bed for five weeks, and then one day while Amanda was away getting water, she suddenly heard the children screaming from inside the house. As she rushed through the door, she was astonished to see all of her children running around the house with Alma leading the pack. By his faith and the faith of his mother, little Alma was completely healed. Willard recorded that Alma would never experience any pain or discomfort and would even fulfill a mission where he would do a great amount of walking. What many do not realize about this story is that the method of treatment Amanda, per Amanda Smith pursued to help heal her young son is the exact pattern the Lord prescribes in the Doctrine and Covenants and is directed, directly connected to the Word of Wisdom. Section, God's Instruction for Healing. In what is considered the law of the church, the Lord provides a three-step pattern for treating illness and for healing. This pattern is so simple and takes up so few verses that it is very easy to overlook. Quote, And whosoever among you are sick and have not faith to be healed but believe shall be nourished with all tenderness, with herbs and mild food, 
and that not by the hand of an enemy. And the elders of the church, two or more, shall be called, and shall pray for and lay their hands upon them in my name, and if they die, they shall die unto me, and if they live, they shall live unto me." End quote. Upon first reading, the pattern may not be so obvious, but on closer inspection, we can begin to see, as it takes a little work to put it together, the pattern looks like this. Step one, have faith to be healed through prayer and priesthood blessings. Step two, use herbs. Step three, use mild food. The prophet Joseph Smith was known to preach these principles often. For instance, from one of his journals reads, quote, I preached to a large congregation at the stand on the science and practice of medicine, desiring to persuade the saints to trust in God when sick and not in the arm of flesh, and live by faith and not by medicine or poison. And when they are sick and had called for the elders to pray for them, and they were not healed, to use herbs and mild food. End quote. It is clear from these verses, Joseph's teachings, and the story of Alma Smith that the Lord intended for his children to rely upon him when it comes to sickness and injury. Indeed, the Lord has indicated that the first step to wellness ought to be our faith in him and his power. The next step is to use plants that God created and ordained for the specific purpose of healing. The last step is to use food that will help soothe the body and reduce inflammation. Despite this simple plan laid out by the Lord, how many of us first turn to prayer, a blessing, or plants when we feel a, a cold coming on? On the contrary, most of us turn to ibuprofen, NyQuil, or other, as one might say, pharmacia. Because our use of these things has replaced what God has counseled, could they be one of the false gods that we are warned about in scriptures? One of Satan's greatest ways to deceive us is through counterfeit and imitation of God's ways. In this case, it takes the place of God and his healing power. But unlike God's healing, man's creations for healing often come with a list of terms and conditions as well as side effects, sometimes equally or even more detrimental than the ailment itself. In this chapter, we will limit our discussion to the first two steps, as the last step of using mild food is largely outlined in the previous chapter. Section, if you have faith, you shall be healed. To expound more on the role of faith in our healing, verse 48 of section 42 promises that if you have faith, you shall be healed, unless it is your appointed time for death. In other words, there is not a single disease that exists on this planet that God cannot heal if only we have faith enough to make it so. Is this not part of the work that <clears throat> Christ did while immortality and that his apostles carried on? Surely, we do not need the Savior to be present, uh, physically present to access his divine power of healing. When a certain Roman centurion's servant fell ill and was near death, the centurion sent for the help of Jesus. But when Jesus approached, the centurion asked his friends to jail Jesus not to enter into his house because he felt he was not worthy. Instead, he asked that Jesus simply say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. The Lord was so astonished at the faith of this Gentile that he turned to his disciples and followers and said, quote, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. End quote. When the friends of the centurion returned, the servant had been completely healed. Israel was the Lord's chosen people, and yet it was a Gentile who displayed the greatest amount of faith. It should have been the other way around, and it should have been the covenant people exemplifying great faith to the world. This example should help us understand that healing by God's power is not necessarily predicated upon any requirement of physical proximity, only upon faith and the Lord's will. 
Scenarios like this are seen over and over throughout the New Testament. The Lord healed Peter's mother-in-law from a deadly fever. He healed a woman with the issue of blood, a disease that had plagued her for 12 years, and as the scriptures say, had been made worse by physicians despite giving them all her money. The Savior raised Jairus' daughter and Lazarus from the dead when it appeared that all hope was lost. He healed the leper immediately. In the New Testament, we read that he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, and that he healed every sickness and every disease among the people. If Christ can heal all kinds of sickness and raise people from the dead, is there any of our diseases that he cannot fix? Jesus told his disciples that they would do greater works than he did if they would believe in him. Indeed, if it is according to God's will, there is no disease, no pandemic, no ailment, no cancer, no autoimmune disease, no birth defect that is more powerful than the faith of the righteous. <clears throat> Section, Why God Ceases to Work Miracles In our day, many would scoff at this assertion, even among the Latter-day Saints. Instead, they believe in a God who has ceased to do miracles of healing. In the Book of Mormon, Moroni writes on... About this subject as he finishes the record of his father. In this powerful account, Moroni speaks to all of those who have imagined up unto themselves a God who can do no miracles, and recounts many miracles such as the creation of the heaven and the earth and the creation of man and many miracles wrought by Jesus and his apostles. He then asks this question, quote, and if these, and if there were miracles wrought then, why has God ceased to be a God of miracles and yet be an unchangeable being? End quote. In other words, if God healed man through faith and power of the priesthood, why is that not the case now? Moroni gives the answer. Quote, Behold, I say unto you, he changeth not. If so, he would cease to be God, and he ceaseth not to be God, and is a God of miracles. And the reason why he ceaseth to do miracles among the children of men is because that they dwindle in unbelief and depart from the right way and know not the God in whom they should trust, end quote. According to Moroni, there are three reasons why God would cease to do miracles, and for our discussion, heal. These reasons are unbelief, departing from the right way, and not knowing God. Unbelief would appear to be the most understood reason for a lack of miracles, which is similar to not having a correct knowledge of God, but the latter can easily be remedied by study and faith. But what about departing from the right way? Certainly this is a likely caused by unbelief, but could departing from the right way mean that we stray from the Lord's revealed patterns and commandments? If we stray from the things God has commanded in Scripture, including healing, are we to believe that we will obtain a miracle? On the other hand, if we follow the counsel the Lord has provided with the faith of the centurion, we will receive the miracle, given it is not our time to leave mortality. Section, Herbs as Medicine in the Scriptures After we put forward our faith in the Lord and His power, the next step to healing is to use herbs. As we discussed in the last chapter, the word herbs can refer to all kinds of plants. However, in DNC 42, it's clear that the Lord isn't talking about apples or pears. Instead, he refers to the kinds of herbs that could be used as seasonings and for healing purposes. We confess that for much of our lives we knew little about herbs and their role in health, thinking that they were fringe methods only used by witch doctors and snake oil salesmen. However, we were surprised to learn that their use throughout history and the scriptures. Surely an often under-discussed part of the word of wisdom is the use of and need for herbs. Throughout scripture, the Lord repeatedly advises the use of these kinds of herbs. On one occasion he said, quote, 
Yea, and the herb is made for the benefit and the use of man, both to please the eye and to gladden the heart, yea, for food and for raiment, for taste and for smell, to strengthen the body and to enliven the soul. And it pleaseth God that he hath given all these things unto man. Just as we learn in the word of wisdom, these verses state that herbs are made for our use as food and a multitude of other purposes. The word of wisdom states that herbs are for our constitution and use, which definitions would naturally include healing. Indeed, these plants entice our senses and give strength to not only our physical bodies, but to our spirits as well. Interestingly enough, advocacy for use of herbs as medicine can be found throughout each of the standard works. The psalmist advises the use of hyssop for purging illness. Ezekiel said that leaves are for medicine. King Nebuchadnezzar recovered from his insanity by eating the herbs of the field. Paul counseled the Romans to eat herbs when they were weak. In the Book of Mormon, we learn that many of the people did not die of illness because of the excellent qualities of the many plants and roots which God had prepared, prepared to remove the cause of diseases, to which men were subject by nature of the climate. Furthermore, we counted over 42 references in the Bible about herbal remedies, remedies such as aloe, cinnamon, coriander, cumin, garlic, mint, juniper, and rose are just a few of the ones mentioned throughout the Bible. It is clear that the scriptures are replete with examples of various forms of herbs being used for health and healing, beginning with Adam and Eve, being used in Christ's day, and even being mentioned in the Doctrine and Covenants. Within the Word of Wisdom itself, we are told that barley is a useful herb in mild drinks. Unsurprisingly, barley has many health benefits and has been used for thousands of years across nearly every culture and civilization as an elixir and remedy. Simple barley water has been shown as a powerful detoxifier and digestive aid. <clears throat> Section, The Prophet and Herbs. The Prophet Joseph Smith may have been one of the biggest advocates of herbal medicine. Speaking of one of the most famous herbalists in America at the time, Samuel Thompson, he allegedly said that Thompson was, quote, as much inspired to bring forth his principle of practice according to the dignity and importance of it as I was to introduce the gospel, end quote. This kind of reverence for the practice of herbal medicine is indicative of its importance not only to the saints, but to the Lord. As we have already noted, Joseph recorded multiple instances in his journal when he preached about, used, and administered herbs to the saints. One particular entry Joseph recorded reads, quote, I awoke this morning in good health, but was soon suddenly seized with a great dryness of the mouth and throat sickness of the stomach, and vomited freely. My wife waited on me, assisted by my scribe, Dr. Willard Richards, and his brother Levi, who had administered to me herbs and mild drinks. By evening, I was considerably revived." This makes sense considering that Joseph called Levi and Willard Richards prominent herbalists in the area, and herbal, as herbal doctors in Nauvoo. Joseph remarked that Levi Richards was one of the great greatest doctors he had ever known. One account suggests that Joseph did not allow any mainstream doctors of the day to even practice in Nauvoo. Even Brigham Young continued to preach the pattern of healing laid out by the Lord and his prophet. On one occasion he said, quote, If you are sick, live by faith, and let surgeon's medicine alone. If you want to live, use only herbs and mild food, as are at your disposal. If you give heed to this council you will prosper, but if not, we cannot be responsible for the consequences." End quote. It is clear from scriptures and historical accounts in the early church that herbs were to be an essential aspect of health and healing.
However, it appears that we have largely forgotten this counsel over time in favor of the philosophies and wisdom of the world. Indeed, herbs have been used for thousands of years in nearly every single culture to heal all kinds of ailments. It should come as no surprise, then, to learn that nearly every drug on the market was originally derived from an herbal source. Aspirin was derived from aspire, or meadowsweet. Uh, morphine was derived from poppy. Valium was derived from valerian root. Cocaine was derived from coca leaf. Codeine was derived from wild cherry bark. Quinine, quinine yeah, was derived from magnolia bark and dogwood. Herbs are not new or fringe, they are simply underutilized. <clears throat> Many studies indicate that herbs are an incredible source of healing for every illness imaginable. Interestingly enough, one of the most famous herbalists in the world also happened to be a member of the church, Dr. John Christopher. At a young age, Dr. Christopher was diagnosed with serious health problems and was told he would not live past the age of 30. This set him on a quest to learn how to heal his conditions with what God had made rather than what man had made. Over the years, Dr. Christopher has influenced millions, including the authors of this book, to find greater health and healing. Section, The Power of Herbs. It should be apparent by now that herbs ought to be used with far more frequency than they presently are. Not only has the Lord made clear that herbs are ordained for our use, but modern data confirm their efficacy. Many studies show that in head-to-head -head trials, herbs outperform modern medicine. One study found that ashwagandha was more effective than hydrocortisone at reducing inflammation. Another study indicated that hops were just as effective for pain management as ibuprofen. Chamomile has been proven to treat ulcers and lower acidity in the stomach more than antacids. Passion flower is found to be equally as effective as oxypam, or Cyrix, for treating anxiety. The list goes on and on, but the idea remains the same. When it comes to treating a health problem, there is often an herb that can perform the same function as its doctor-prescribed counterpart. What many are surprised to learn is that many of the plants that we consider weeds that grow along the sides of the road and in our yards are highly potent herbs with incredible medicinal value. Those pesky weeds you spend hours picking just may save your life. For instance, plantain leaves, which you likely have in your backyard right now, have anti-inflammatory, analgesic, antibiotic, and immune-stimulating properties. It provides relief for bee stings and insect bites, and it can stop the itching of poison ivy and other allergic reactions. On one occasion, while working in our orchard, our son was stung by a bee. His hand began to swell up, so we had... Began to swell up, so we had him immediately begin chewing plantain. Cassidy quickly chewed some as well and made a poultice and put it on the sting. Immediately the swelling stopped and the pain subsided. Dr. John Christopher once said, quote, The home without yarrow will have death therein when the plagues come. End quote. Perhaps this is because it has been shown to produce inflammation and boost immunity, in part because it is a powerful astringent. This weed will likely look familiar to you, as we notice it often on walks around the neighborhood. Yarrow can also be used on wounds to stop bleeding and dull pain. Furthermore, it is very useful in treating epilepsy because of its anti-seizure effects. Many are shocked to find that a simple cup of hot water and one teaspoon of cayenne can stop a heart attack within 30 seconds. 
On one occasion, a group of doctors put live heart tissue in a sterile beaker filled with distilled water and cayenne pepper. To the amazement of the doctors, the heart tissue had to be trimmed continually every few days because it grew so rapidly. This experiment lasted an astounding 15 years. Cayenne is also very beneficial for IBS patients, helping to reduce symptoms significantly. Comfrey is sometimes called knit bone or bone set because it is of its incredible ability to heal broken bones. Comfrey allows allotonin, which encourages epithelial formation <laughs> that aids in bone healing. Studies have shown that comfrey taken topically speeds up the recovery process of wounds by about half the time compared to common remedies. Pain and inflammation throughout the body is dr drastically lowered with the use of comfrey. It has even been found to reduce back pain by 95%. Despite comfrey being used for thousands of years by civilians all over the world, however, the FDA banned the sale of comfrey in 2001 citing concerns over evidence that implicates these substances as carcinogens. The evidence the FDA alludes to appears to come from a study in 1978 where groups of rats were fed comfrey leaves over a year or more. The rats then developed liver tumors. There have not been any human trials to confirm this judgment, but just like most things, we wouldn't suggest anyone eat comfrey leaves each day for a year or more anyway. There are so many herbs all around us that can be used for our benefit. It can be overwhelming to learn about all of them and how to use them. Something that you may find useful is to download a plant identification app on your phone and start identifying herbs and plants you come in contact with. You may be shocked just how many herbs you have in your own backyard. Section Objection to Herbs and Mild Food The most common criticism of this view is that God was only giving the saints something for their own time because many contemporary apostles have advocated for the use of modern medicine in conjunction with the prayer of faith. Therefore, as some would say, we may disregard the counsel concerning herbs and mild food. However, we would remind the reader of the importance of measuring every man's doctrine against the scriptures. As Joseph Fielding Smith said, quote, It makes no difference what is written or what anyone has said. If what has said is in conflict with what the Lord has revealed, we can set it aside. My words and the teaching of any other member of the church, high or low, if they do not square with the revelations, we need not accept them. Let us have this matter clear. We have accepted the four standard works as the measuring yardsticks or balances by which we measure every man's doctrine. End quote. Unfortunately for the critics, there is nothing in the standard works that supports this particular critique. However, we do have many scriptures that support the use of herbs. Therefore, it would not be wise to disregard a principle in the scripture simply because some of the brethren have expressed a seemingly contradictory opinion. Until revealed otherwise, or stated by the united voice of the Twelve and the First Presidency, it should stand to reason that the word of the Lord in the scriptures remains valid. This argument also doesn't stand scrutiny when we consider that in many instances, herbs outperform traditional medicine at curing common ailments as previously discussed. Section, a, pre, a personal experience. As we were in the middle of writing this book, Jordan experienced a most unfortunate event. I, Jordan, was helping people move some tables and chairs for an event, and as I was unloading a table from the back of the trailer, a table slipped and crushed my right big toe. 
Having broken many other bones in my youth, I knew immediately that this was going to be another. The pain was excruciating, but I didn't want to make a scene over something as small as a toe. So I quietly but slowly limped along with the task. When I arrived home, I took off my shoe and sock to discover a blackening toenail with blood seeping from underneath. Because I knew the toe was broken, I didn't want to go see a doctor only to have him confirm it and then not do much in the way of treatment, as I had learned from my previous experiences. Cassidy had learned quite a bit over the last few years about the use of herbs for healing, so I wanted to try that route. Unfortunately, she was out of town with our kids and I was home alone, so I called her to inform her of the situation. My parents quickly came over and my dad gave me a blessing and my mom helped me make an herbal paste with Cassidy's instructions to help bring the swelling down and relieve the pain. 24 hours went by and the bleeding continued, although at a much slower pace. When Cassidy arrived home, we went to see a chiropractor to see if we could find out specifically where the bone, where the bone was broken. An ultrasound indicated that there were at least two fractures, one on each side of the toe. By our estimation, the bone under the toenail had probably broken in such a way that it had punctured the skin from the inside, which is what caused the continued bleeding. Many friends and family suggested an x-ray, in which case the doctors would have certainly recommended surgery. We had followed the Lord's pattern of healing outlined in Doctrine and Covenants 42 so far, but now we were at a crossroads. Should we continue down the path we started and practice the principles we had come to believe, or should we go the more traditional and more expensive route of pain meds, doctors, and surgery? We carefully considered both options and weighed the implications of each. Taking it to the Lord in prayer, we decided to continue with our plan of herbs and mild food. I will admit that my faith in using herbs to heal a broken bone was weak. But as Alma says, I had a desire to believe and was willing to give it a shot. We followed a strict treatment of soaking my foot in comfrey tea during the day and then applying a paste of comfrey, wheat germ oil, and honey directly to the injury at night. One of the benefits of this paste <clears throat> is that it seeps into the skin and stimulates the cells to speed up the healing process. Dr. Christopher's complete tissue and bone formula was taken orally several times each day along with herbal calcium tea which was composed of shave grass, oat straw, and lobelia. Within a week of this consistent treatment, the pain in my toes subsided and there were signs of healing. Admittedly, however, there were many times where I questioned what I was doing, thinking myself to be crazy. It wasn't until I gave up my doubts and put my trust in the Lord that the healing process started to take off at a rapid pace. Within a few weeks, I was able to put a pressure on my toe again and resume walking. To illustrate for the reader what a miracle this was, I went from not being able to touch the skin of my toe in the slightest without pain to putting full pressure on it and walking in a matter of weeks. The typical recovery time for this type of injury was projected to be two to three months, but we were able to cut the time in half. I firmly believe that because we followed this path, my recovery was not only quicker, but it was more complete as well. None of this is to suggest that healing would not have taken place had I followed the more traditional route of painkillers and surgery. Neither should any of this be taken as justification to speak poorly of any skilled or knowledgeable medical professional. As mentioned earlier, I had several broken I had broken several bones in my youth, all of which had healed via the traditional route. Could I have healed this time by following the word of uh, the wisdom of the world? I believe so. However, Cassidy and I believe that this was an opportunity to live by faith and not by medicine, as the prophet Joseph Smith taught. 
As a result, not only did healing occur, but both of us had a significant increase in faith in the Savior and his ways. Section, with God all things are possible. It may often seem that the easiest route is to put our faith in doctors and modern medicine to resolve our health woes. But this is not the Lord's way. He has laid out a direct path of getting well and has echoed it in the scriptures and in his words of the prophets. He tells us faith, herbs, and mild food. When we have enough faith and trust in God, anything is possible. There is no disease or even injury that is too difficult for Christ to heal. Despite what doctors, family members, or others may say, there is nothing too far gone for Christ to heal. Christ may not be here in the flesh, but he has told us that those who believe in him would do even greater works than he did. The state of health in the world may perhaps be best understood as a reflection of the lack of faith that we have in the Savior. Some may say, I wish I had that much faith, but I am not there yet, and that is okay. The Lord loves us and wants to heal us, which is why he prescribes herbs and mild foods alongside our faith and even lack thereof. Herbs in and of themselves contain incredible healing compounds that have been used for thousands of years in nearly every single civilization. Investing time and energy into learning about herbs and how we can practically use them with prudence is a worthwhile endeavor. And as we do this, we will see incredible changes. Food is just an important is just as important because taking herbs won't do us well if we turn around and feed our bodies with that which works against us. Combined faith, herbs, and mild food can cure any ailment that one could encounter while in this mortal probation. If you have doubts, as we once did, study it out. Take it to the Lord and experiment upon the word yourself.